Hey, we are going to talk about Christmas today, and I want to just take you on a little journey. I want you to open your heart to thinking about what is it that can be fresh that God can put in you. Same story, new concepts, new ideas. Every time I read the stories in Matthew's account and Luke's account, I come across these random things that I just haven't seen before. And today I want to try to share some of that with you. So if you have a program, turn it over to the back and follow along. There's five things that I want you to jot down. Number one is this. I've simply called this at the heart of the story. At the heart of the story. Because we're going to look at a lot of elements, but at the heart of the story, there's a big picture here. I'm going to be reading from Luke's account in chapter 2. If you want to leave your Bible open there, I'm going to go verse by verse, a few verses at a time. Chapter 2, Luke. At that time, the Roman emperor, his name was Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, at the heart of this story, we know that's a political statement. Augustus says, we're going to take a census. But at the heart of this story is really God. God is not surprised by this census. As a matter of fact, he's orchestrating it. God is orchestrating something that involves many, many people. And here's the clincher. Some of these people don't even know God. And some of them have no idea that God is the source of their ideas to do what they're going to do. Because God is bigger than we can foresee. God is bigger than what we know. Now, many Romans, it's fascinating if you want to read the history here, many Romans actually believe that Augustus was God, for sure a God. Many people actually worshipped Augustus. But at the end of the day, it is the one true God who is actually using Augustus to get the right people to Bethlehem so that Jesus can be born. This is a big part of the story because prophecy says that the Messiah is going to be born where? In Bethlehem. The problem is that Joseph and Mary don't live in Bethlehem. They live about 70 miles away. So something's got to happen to get them there. And I have a feeling that Joseph probably is not going to say to his pregnant wife of nine months, hey, you want to take a 70-mile walk? That's probably not going to happen. At the heart of this story involves the following. It involves God reaching out to mankind. It involves a child being born that can save mankind. That's us. Normal people that we wouldn't even know their names if they were not in this story, like Mary, like Joseph, like the shepherds. They're normal people and God had a plan for their lives. You and me, you are not a mistake. You make perfect sense to God. Your DNA, how you are wired, God knows all about you. The second thing I want you to jot down in your notes is this. I want you to think about the communication of the story. I want you to think about what it's like for God to communicate to all of these people that need to end up at one place at the same time. This is fascinating to me. In verse 3 of Luke 2, it says this, All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. 
He traveled there from the village in Nazareth in Galilee. That is what's fulfilling the prophecy that the Messiah would be born at the house of David, which is Bethlehem. So can you imagine everything that needed to happen to make this story come to this point so she's pregnant at the right time when the census is called and she has to end up in Bethlehem? First of all, we need to have a woman that's going to get pregnant. So the angel of the Lord comes to Mary. Now just just imagine this. Who knows how old she was? Some say 14, 15, 16. doesn't really matter. The point is she doesn't have a lot of life experience. And she's never been with a man. She's a virgin. And the Lord basically shows up and says, Mary, um, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> Mary says, oh, wonderful. Well, actually, she doesn't say that. She says, uh, I don't really know how it works for you guys up there, but down here, that's a big statement, and I don't think you understand And God basically says, oh, don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit is going to conceive in you, and you're going to have God's baby. Oh, cool, she says. (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, think about what's actually happening here. Then she goes to her fiancé, Joseph, guess what? I'm going to have a baby. And Joseph is like, well, we haven't. No, I know it's not your baby. I mean, just think about how you're going to try to convey this message. And he's thinking, okay, forget it. I'm not interested. And then she gives him the answer. Oh, don't worry about that. No, no, I haven't been unfaithful. This is God's baby. The Holy Spirit is conceiving in me, and I'm going to have God's baby. So it's all cool, right? You need therapy, Mary. You know what Joseph does? He prepares to break up with her. You can read it in Matthew. He can't handle it. And, and that, that's why it's so amazing. Think of the communication here. He cannot get it through his head that this could be real. Why? Because it's never happened before. Pretty hard to take. Finally, he has a dream. Another form of communication, you know. God doesn't have text or email, evidently. But he can have someone have a dream. Joseph has this dream where the angel of the Lord comes and says, Joseph, she's telling you the truth. She is having a baby, and it is God's baby, and you need to marry her and take her as your wife. And Joseph says, cool, okay, if that's what I'm supposed to do, then that's what I have to do. So you can imagine they're in this little journey. Now Mary is growing. She's getting pregnant. She's in her ninth month when they get this letter that says, you have to come to Bethlehem. And that just seems wrong to me because it's such a big deal to get there. Think about all the other people involved. The shepherds on the hillside, the light that shines from God. When God wants to get people's attention, He sends like choirs of angels singing in the heavens, visions and dreams, the star in the east. That's a whole other sermon. That star, if you read and study, some astrologists say that it's possible that when God said in Genesis, let there be light, that star was created then. And it was put in an orbit that would rise up at this exact time so that the wise men could see that star and be mesmerized by it, knowing there's a king that's going to be born, and they followed it. Here's another thing. Most scholars believe that those wise men from Orient came from at least two years away walking. 
So God put that star where they could see it probably two years before Mary and Joseph probably were even dating. God is planning ahead. There is a bigger picture here. I mean, do you already know what you're buying someone for Christmas two years from now? See, God doesn't make mistakes. And here's what's encouraging to me. When you're going through stuff you don't understand, when you face obstacles that you don't like, it might be that God is at work. And you just don't see the other side yet. Joseph and Mary didn't understand. I don't think they were happy. Let's move on. Oh, I've got to, I've got to just mention this one thing. Um, no, let's move on. Number three. I'll tell you in a minute. I just don't want to forget. I want you to think about the mystery of all this. Okay? So we have the communication. God's got to get his point across. But there's, there's so much mystery in how all this happens. But let me just read one verse that I just find amazing. So he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now, <laughs> what's the word, ladies? <laughs> Luke just had to throw that in there, didn't he? Obviously. In other words, she's a big mama right now. She's, she's gonna, she needs to have a baby. And uh, she is really pregnant. And she's pregnant with God's son. That is mind-boggling. She knows that... This is God growing inside of her. Think of Jesus. Jesus is older than his mother. He's as old as his father. He's becoming something he has never been before and will not cease being who he always has been. He will literally come from heaven where there's no limitation, and he will reduce himself to a little baby who has absolutely no choice in the matter but to be born. He'll have to learn how to use his motor skills. He'll have to develop mentally, emotionally. He'll need to learn learn to walk. He's going to be running around like every other little kid, except he is God. That is a mystery. How in the world can that happen? This would be God who would lay down His life for the very people that are beating Him and flogging Him and torturing Him and will kill Him. As a matter of fact, He says from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What was He saying? He was saying, they don't know the big picture. They don't know that I'm the Savior of the world. They don't know that they can call on my name when all this is over. There's something beyond the pain of today. And many of you need to hear that today. Because what you're going through doesn't make sense to you. It didn't make sense to so many in this story. Do not despair. This Lord, this Jesus, gives us hope. And yet He's placed, at His birth, He's placed in a manger. Now, this is incredible. But we were able to get the original manger from Bethlehem through, through Amazon Prime. It's incredible. So you can touch it if you want to afterwards. You can come up and, and touch it. It's pretty amazing. I can't even believe that they had Phillips head screws back in those days. A manger. What is a manger? It's a feeding trough for animals. 
There, there is no other baby that's being laid in a manger. Now, there's probably many babies being born in Bethlehem, but why is it? Now, think about this. We, we just read the story, and we see the scene, and baby's put in the manger. We don't think about it. Three times, the people who are looking for Jesus to honor him and to find him, you know what the clue is? The clue is it'll be the baby that's in a manger. A manger? <laughs> yeah, that, that kid. The kid that's in the manger, that's the one. Because there might be many babies being born, but they're not going to be in a manger. This one's in a manger. Why in the world a manger? God is ultimately saying, I'm coming, but I'm not coming as a king. I'm coming to reach the normal person. And you can lay me first. My first bed is going to be in a feeding trough of an animal. I just... I just can't imagine all of this. And then there's Joseph trying to say to Mary, we've got to go to Bethlehem. It's 70 miles away. And there's no limo. There's no train. There's no car. You know how they got there? They walked there. Ladies, I've never been pregnant, but I can't imagine. Nine months pregnant. And then there's people, I really get tickled at the people who try to soften the pain of this. And they say, oh, well, she rode a donkey. (laughs) Yeah, that's the point. I think I'd rather walk if I was nine months pregnant than to ride a donkey. And then they get there, and the hotel is sold out. What is God thinking? See, Joseph and Mary don't know all the stuff that's supposed to be happening. Why, is, why do we have to go to Bethlehem? Why is it now? And I would get to that counter, and Joseph, I mean, can you imagine what that was like to have that innkeeper say, sorry, we're sold out? I wonder if, like, Joseph and Mary had some tension you know, between them. Like Joseph would be like, see, I told you you should have walked faster. <laughs> Just because you're pregnant. Or was she, you know, did he turn to her and say, honey, I'm really sorry, there's no room. And did she say, okay, cool. No problem, my darling Joseph. We could stay in a cave. Let's, let's just make it a party and have a cave. And I feel the baby is coming. Okay, then let's go to the cave. See ya. They go to the cave. It's a mystery. Why? If I'm Joseph, I'm saying, God, I've been pretty good so far. This isn't my baby. I've married this woman. I've gotten here to Bethlehem. And now you don't even have a suite waiting for me? With a hot tub or something. And God is silent. Do you, know, do you realize that the bigger story in your life might be after you're dead? The bigger story in your life might be a decade from now, but what you're going through now doesn't make sense. But God is going, boy, do I have plans for you. Boy, am I making a legacy out of your life. You will not believe it. Why? Because God sees the big picture, and we don't. He knows what he's doing, and we don't. When you say, Lord, I give you my life, God says, okay, then here we go. Are you ready for my ride? And then we fight him like the whole rest of our life, trying to get off of that ride, if we're not careful. Why? Because God has plans for us that we sometimes don't even know. He was laid in a manger. He was the Son of God. The wise men make it by following the star, this crazy story, the shepherds on the hillside. 
the light must have been so bright, that whole hillside was lit up. And the voice out of heaven and the angelic choir singing. And they immediately jump up and they run down to Bethlehem to find this little child who is lying in a manger. This is also such a message of why God came to earth to reach all of us, even the shepherds. The ordinary people of the story give me hope that God wants to do profound things in our lives, those of us who are simply ordinary. Christmas is a statement from God saying, I am reaching out to every person on the planet because I have a unique plan for their life. Wow. That's the kind of God I want to serve. Number four, I've got to keep moving here. Think about the celebration. The mystery goes on and on and on, but I want you to think about this celebration. One of my favorite little pieces in the Christmas story is right here, and you won't see it because no one, I don't even know why it's one of my favorites, but it's in verse 6. And it says, and while they were there, okay, where are they? Where did they just go? Bethlehem. This is the next verse. While they were there, (laughs) I'll come back to that. I love that line. The time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. While they were there, it's a statement, it's as though it's a happenstance or a coincidence, which is fascinating to me because God has moved heaven and earth to set this whole thing up. For them to be there in this moment, in that place, with this manger. And Luke says, oh, coincidentally, it all happened in this moment. (laughs) I just, I'm fascinated because that's a message for you and me. Oh, I just happened to be going across the street when I ran into my neighbor. Boom, God moment possibly. Well, I was eating with so-and-so. Boom, God moment. Oh, well, I just walked over there and boom. I was grocery shopping. Boom. See, your life, your life is ordained. The righteous steps, the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. And when you walk here and there, you might not know it, but you are where God wants you to be, even in suffering. If you believe that, it will change everything about every day for the rest of your life. We just say, oh, well, happened to be there, happened to be sitting in that chair at work, and God's been working two years to orchestrate this little meeting with you guys. And now here it is. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Because there's no such thing as we just happened to be there. God is with us in all of these situations. And this baby lays in the manger, wrapped in these cloths, knowing what lies ahead is changing the entire world. That's the hope we have as followers of Jesus. So one last thing that I want you to write down. The fifth thing there. And then I'm going to have you complete a sentence at the bottom. But think about the transformation. The transformation is a big big piece of this story. If, if we had the time, I want you to just think. Whose lives have been transformed so far in the story? 
a bunch of them. Joseph and Mary being the lead role, right? But then the shepherds, then the wise men who've been on this long journey. Who else? I mean, you think of the people in the story, and now it's only going to grow from here. Transformation has happened. I have been transformed because of this story. Hopefully you have been transformed because of this story. The renewing of my mind because of what the Holy Spirit can do if we give Him our mind. The change of belief systems. The purpose to live for is different now in your life and mine. The hope that encourages me every day that there is a God who brings order to chaos. He has this universe in His hand. You do not need to live afraid. The confidence that God is working in all things even though I can't see it. He is God. I am not. And to me, that brings me hope. I want you to focus on something for a few moments. The bottom of the page there in your outline, I want you to finish this sentence. This Christmas, I will focus more on, and then I want you to write whatever it is that you want to write, that you feel God prompting you to focus more on. If you don't want to write, you're not a writer, then just think about it for a few moments. I'm going to go silent in a second, and we're going to take about 60 seconds just to finish that sentence. So let God lead you. Think about it. Give it some thought, and then write down what you're going to focus on more this week. not finished writing yet, would you mind just setting your pen down for a minute while we pray? You can finish it later. Lord, thank you for making the trip all the way from heaven, for becoming our Savior and our Lord, our Messiah. Thank you for loving us enough to die for us. That's very sobering. Lord, there are people in this room that need this hope. With heads bowed in here, we call this our living room if you're new to Timberline because we talk about real stuff. And we really are a real family in in God's eyes. I want to get to the core of some things some of you are facing this week with family members, the stress of it, whether they are believers or not. And I've heard so many stories and I hear so many stories around Christmas time of dysfunction, broken relationship, wounded people, blended families, who's going where. Some are just trying to cause a hassle. Then they start drinking. Then it goes to this and that. Before you know it, we have 
total chaos on our hands. And some of you right now are living with that fear. You're living with fret and anxiety. And I believe God wants me to pray over you specifically. That though they might not be different this year, you can be. And you're going to know it's coming and you're going to have the strength of God walking with you. How many of you would say, yep, put me in that prayer? I'm in. Just lift, lift your hand to God and say, I need that touch from God as I go through this stuff. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters. We pray for those who have this particular need that things could go south quickly. Ironically, on a day that's meant for joy and celebration, I pray that you will give wisdom and clarity about why they're there and what they're doing there and their role in all of this. Let us bring peace with us. Let us bring forgiveness with us. Let us bring hope with us to the party. And may we remember you are at the center. I pray, God, for understanding, for good conversations, for renewal. Maybe even this would be the year that you would plant a seed in some family members that desperately need to know you. I'm praying for that. We as a church are praying for that in agreement. The second thing I want to pray over is that we would be sensitive to be used where we are. It's not just a coincidence or by happenstance that you're going to end up where you're ending up in this season. So I just want to pray that you will be aware of it and that you'll take it as a challenge to say, I'm going to bring God into every meeting, every moment. Lord, without over-spiritualizing it, Help us to live normal lives that are divinely impacting to others. As we laugh, as we cry, as we watch shows together, as we give gifts to each other, as we eat together, may we be mindful that you want to spend us well. May our attitudes, may our thought processes be pleasing to you. And may you be at the center of all that we are. Lord, bring hope to those who are hopeless today and bring encouragement and heal family wounds that need to be healed. Give us the confidence that you can do that even now. For the glory of God, we pray these things.